0: I don't think we've met before, but I'm the referee on this field. If you're working as an accountant and you lose your job, nobody really notices. Leinster could have me five
1: mil a year, I wouldn't go. <laughs> it is Robbie Robbie Robby, Robby, weekly. Little reverse pass. Hello and welcome to the 42 Rugby Weekly, brought to you in association with Volkswagen, a proud sponsor of Irish Rugby. Gavin Casey here in studio, and I'm joined as always by Murray Kensalov of the 42, who has a big flight ahead of him this week and he looks very excited. How are you, Murray?
0: Good to you, Agav. Very excited. <laughs> I've been practicing my phrase books and trying to learn about the culture a little bit more, so yeah, I'm pretty excited.
1: Brilliant. Bernard Jackman is in the house as well. Harry Bernard. Good, thank you i'm not uh, going for two weeks so i'm, I'm uh, stuck in ireland for the first week but uh, it will be okay more time to brush up on your phrases yeah. and what's that um well it's uh a lot more optimistic a studio i think than it was a couple of weeks ago coming in off that england defeat a uh, good victory again for ireland saturday murray what was your overall reaction
0: yeah absolutely similarly i thought it was exactly what they needed before they headed away even at the final whistle with the receptions for rory Best and joe schmidt and greg feek that was a really nice way for them to finish off this warm-up series and there was a, l- a lovely sense of momentum as, as they head, o- head away now on, on Wednesday. The performance was certainly their best of this warm-up series and for me, it was probably their best performance of 2019. Um, I know they obviously beat France well at home in the Six Nations and won away to Scotland. Can't dismiss those performances but it just felt more complete and certainly defensively it was it was their best of the year in, in my opinion. Uh, they connected really well. There was really good line speed. They dominated the Welsh physically Um and then attacking-wise, they were pretty clinical when they got into the 22. I think they would have been disappointed not to finish off for the fourth try as they had the, the kind of foot on the throat at the very end. But there was a lot to like about it. The players looked fresh. There was energy. The key key guys really um, delivered um, kind of assuring performances as well. So lots to like while there is still obviously plenty to work on.
1: What impressed you most about
2: it, Bernard? Yeah, I think energy and, and, and physicality. And I was really impressed by our ability to actually get over the gain line or knock them back. Um, on their side of the game line, when we when we were defending, I think it's we didn't see this in 2019. You know, for uh, away to Scotland, um, I didn't felt we were dominant physically when we beat France. We probably just had a better better system than them. But players looked, you know, we've all heard about the preseason they've gone through, um, and you know, I thought they looked small against England and small. Um, Against Wales in the last 20 minutes, are, are lacking that power. But you know, man, man for man, I thought you know we looked in physically really good condition, which is is always great against you know a team like Wales who pride themselves on that on that physical preparation. So I think you can see, you know, you know we spoke last week about all the running they've done and to be ready to play those you know really long sequences of play. Um, but I think they've got their contact fitness now, and obviously that's that's pleasing because you know we're we're two weeks away from from Scotland, but uh, not just be contact fit but be dominant uh, in contact um, the way the game has gone uh, that's a, a prerequisite to playing winning rugby so um, really happy It's amazing really isn't it when you look back on how
1: panicky we were a couple of weeks ago and are we sort of basically full of shit
0: like them? <laughs> well I, I think like players often remind you that they're never as good as you say they are or never as bad as you say they are that always rings true and, and certainly when Ireland play poorly the, the reaction is uh, extremely negative I think we'd people have been worried about Ireland based on a, a long period of time it wasn't just one game against England it was a c- kind of a continuation of that England game in the Six Nations that w- that Wales game in the Six Nations as well so it was kind of understandable pessimism I would say there was players out of form as well um, and we do have to temper it like this is still a warm up game mm-hmm. Wales certainly didn't look at their most interested. I have to say you think guys like John Davies missing tackles he would never miss even on Josh van der Fleer in the in the, the first half I think it was out in the, the 13 channel um, and even on Rob Carney for the first try from, from Ireland. Um, Liam Williams coming off the bench and didn't quite look as ag- aggressive self. So there was that element to it as well. Wales were poor, but um, I think it's fair to have a, a level of optimism there based on Ireland delivering the performance that reminded us of what they could do really well in 2018, defend superbly, be aggressive, be mm. aggressive, be physical um, and take some chances when they get into the 22 they they worked their way in there well winning penalties off a really badly disciplined Welsh side i think it was 15 or 16 penalties they gave up and um, which made Ireland's life easy but yeah there's there's got to be balance both ways and um you'd, you'd just be happy for Aaron that they're leaving on, on that note rather than the negative one
1: were you impressed Bernard by some of the players who were figuring for the first time this summer Johnny Sexton came on uh Robbie Henshaw as well in the middle was
2: very Yeah, I, I thought uh, uh, Johnny, um, you know, some was kicking, probably wasn't as accurate as, as he would like off the, off the ground in terms of, you know, dropouts and things like that. But um, that's natural. I think, uh, you know, when I look back at the game yesterday and, and looked at his intensity in defence, um, you know, it, w- it was pretty impressive. He was, you know, involved in, in some big hits and, and a turnover you know, choke tackle. Um, And also he was taking the ball to the gain line, as we know he does, and and putting other people into space. And, uh, you know, Wales use a rush defence, but they also kind of have, they don't have real good line integrity. So there's people ahead of the ball, ahead of the, jumping out of the line a lot, which can actually unnerve uh, your attack. But Ireland were able to play into those holes um, pretty well. And uh, so I think Sexton to get through that, you know, because it was quite an intense game and getting the 60 minutes he got, you know, it was ideal. Um, Robbie was unbelievably good at us, you know, and um, you know, for his for his first game back, uh, his footwork, um, you know, defensively that, that hit on Moriarty if, if they get that outside Moriarty, it's a three on one. Um, so he made a decision and he went and executed it. And um, Stephen Bundy just looked looked really sharp, and um, you know, uh, so the repercussions of, of Robbie's. Performance for Gary Ringrose, you know, we we'll probably talk about that in a while. But uh, I thought Rory had a, a very good game. Um, you know, the first two lineups actually weren't his fault. Um, you know, he, his, his throws were on the money, just very good reads and probably average call from from Ireland or average speed on the ground. And uh, you know, he'd be delighted with that. It was a great send off for him, obviously. You know, uh, but and, and deserved well deserved send off from the crowd. But just for his own personal peace of mind uh, and his authority in the squad, you know, I think he's shown how he can play uh, at that level still at 37 and it just means he can lead more easily You know, by by having had a good performance behind him so um, yeah lots of positives mm. Conor Murray stood out as well Murray yeah
0: I thought it was his best performance for Ireland for, for quite some time um, some of his passing was a little bit wobbly and I think the box kicks I'd say there's definitely one there that went a little bit too far um, Ireland just couldn't quite get into that contest having rolled out the box kick for the first time this summer um, so there's a bit to work on there but I thought when they were in those key zones of the pitch like inside the 22 um, attacking Wales he was really composed and really sharp with his passing that pass for for Rob Carney's try the first one was excellent I thought he arrives into the ruck after CJ Sanders big carry over Patchell and Patchell's kind of lying in front of the ball so he has to lift and deliver a pass in one movement where he's not able to get that ideal base uh, a beautiful pass to Johnny Sexton and in turn he's able to put, put Rob Carney away there were a few other nice moments like that and he just he just kind of steered that really well when Ireland were were putting the pressure on in in that kind of green zone area, um, so as well as that he actually defended particularly well. I thought there was one hit where he he shot up from the the edge with Jack Conan and and closed down an option on on the wide left. Really good to see that side of his game again coming to the fore because Luke McGrath obviously offers a really good defensive um, backup uh, there at scrum half. So yeah, really good to see those, I guess those established players. Um, Cj Sander would be another one. I thought his his best game in a while carried obviously we've mentioned there the the Reese Patchell boshing incident but there was plenty more to like his energy was huge and really powerful in the tackle as well did pretty well in the line out I know he got picked off at one stage Uh, Bernard's kind of mentioned that there um But on a day when they didn't have too many frontline options, he was good in that aspect as well. Uh, And on on top of it, I think the the impact from from the bench, which is always a massive part of Joe Schmidt's philosophy, was really encouraging. Like, Dave Kilcoyne is probably one of the most explosive players anyone is going to have to bring off the bench. He was absolutely phenomenal again, I thought, coming on for
2: for Keane. His form. I mean, realistically, on form, he's actually playing better than Keane at the moment. Um, And, uh, you know, Keane's not out of form, but just Kilcoyne has uh, made such an impact in, in mm. this autumn series you know um it's nearly mad to think we were questioning whether he would make the plane a, m- a month ago but credit to him he's got himself in, in brilliant condition and uh he's going to be a a real um option for us whether it's you know starting or, or coming off the bench yeah. probably come off the bench because he he just has such dynamism but and he and Healy's so good as well but uh he, he deserves a lot of credit the one we haven't mentioned yet is rob carney you know and uh, it's only one incident, but if you think back to that cover, he um, cover he he put in to stop George North scoring a try, really well executed Wales set piece, um, They he sent him right, and he ha- he had to change late and, and got across. Um, it's only one moment, but that kind of moment gives everybody such confidence, yeah. you know. And uh, like I think that when he doesn't play, our wingers have to worry about what's happening behind them. But when he plays, you don't have to worry about what happens in front of him, uh, if that makes sense. And, uh, you know, we go go back to the England game. England hurt us through a grubber kick through quite early. Mm. And suddenly then everyone's doubting, you know, um, their role in the system. So I think... You know, he, he got back actually for the bigger intercept as well and and was involved in stopping that try so um, obviously got a good try was good under high ball as we know um, had one good kick to touch where he, you know, he kicked it back 50 metres um, so I think he he had a big performance as well and um, he's going to be absolutely crucial to us Yeah,
0: he looks quicker than ever like the ground he covered for that Yeah, that, that was hard The was, you know? was really long distance um, and those moments you mentioned are so massive the other one that stood out to me was James Ryan early enough in the game as well um, where Ireland's really good defence forces Reese Patchell to kick a bomb on top of them. It kind of gets lost in that zone in between the retreating defenders and Keith Earl's coming on to it, Bundyaki doesn't go up and compete. they got another kind of turnover possession and suddenly there's real danger wide on the left and there's James Ryan, a second row on the edge of the defence and any other second row you'd really worry in that situation. But his mobility, his pace to get across, he links up with Jordan Larmour. And they can kind of drift on to the last defender. Larmer makes a really good hit on uh, Josh Adams. And there's James Ryan in up high and he strips the ball free for for a turnover scrum. Just an unbelievable moment from a player who is like ludicrously good. He's going to be one of the very best players in this World Cup. And and to have him in in the team is a massive advantage for Ireland. Everything he does is infectiously inspirational. You, You think of his carries where... He looks like he's not going to make metres. He actually gets smashed. And even on the ground, he's wriggling for every little inch he can get. Same in the tackle as well. He just takes every opportunity to smash people. Um, And as well as that, it looks like he's actually developing the part of his game, his handling, which was potentially lacking. You saw an offload against Wales. He had a long offload and turnover possession um, on Saturday there as well he made another kind of pass on turnover just being more aware of those opportunities I think Kilcoyne wasn't able to quite shift it then in Ireland potentially miss an opportunity out in the, the left edge where Gary Ringrose was waiting out there but he's developing that side of his game obviously running the line out didn't go perfectly but solved it on the go in the game um, and he is just a phenomenon he's on his way to being one of the greats
2: Yeah I think that the fact that actually the line started badly is uh, and uh, got better is actually really good for for James, because that that can happen, you know. Uh, so if it had been smooth sailing and we were, you know, eight out of eight, um, we wouldn't have actually found out a, a lot about his composure. Um, but I think it was brilliant that he was actually able to, obviously it took, we lost two before he found a solution, but then he, he didn't panic. You know, when we saw in Twickenham, you know, when we lost the first couple, it just became chaos. Um, whereas against Wales, we actually found the space, and build ourselves into the game and end up having a decent return in terms of our, our, our stats um, at line of time. So I think that's actually nearly more pleasing than if it was just plain sailing for him because he, he knows now that, you know, if things go bad at the start, he has the capacity to find solutions.
0: Yeah, it was a day that went, went pretty well for pretty much everyone that Irish 23. Um, obviously, Keith, there has Hobble off with that what looked like the same knee injury but he's been past fit to travel which is great for Ireland and they'll definitely be able to manage him through the tournament all those slightly older players will have to be managed anyway I was wondering what you thought of Jean Klein. obviously a lot of folks and him Bernard
2: yeah, yeah I think, I yeah, think, think he had a poor start um, but I think it was just out of his eagerness to make an impact so he got picked up for for being offside you know in the defensive line but it was pure it wasn't because he was being lazy he literally just wanted to make a huge hit yeah. and then a little bit over enthusiastic when he came in the side of the mall on, on elliot d you know he probably felt elliot had, uh, the hooker disengaged and he rejoined them all so he, but you got to check with our first there so um from that point of view you know to give away two penalties in, uh, in the joe schmidt uh, model where the, you know sometimes you can have two penalties in a game you know at the odd time um wouldn't be good but i thought after that he settled in and you know, he said that he wouldn't have to go looking for contact uh, against Wales because it was going to come to him, and I think he, he handled it pretty well. Got some good tackles. Probably not the biggest ball carrier. Um, we knew that anyway, but um, some good tackles and physical scrum was good. And uh, yeah, I, th- I think it was a. You know, I thought he was good against Italy in the first game, and then obviously England, he was anonymous like everybody else. But uh, certainly a, a solid game. And you know, again, potentially he's. Well, I, I think. Looks like he's nailed a lot of start. I think him and uh, him and James Ryan probably start against uh, Scotland. With Henderson, With Henderson on the bench, I think. Yeah. So, yeah.
0: he's well, punchy off the bench. Isn't yeah.
2: He? What
1: would the idea be there, like in starting Klein over Henderson? What does he offer from the start that Henderson doesn't, and vice versa? Um,
2: that, well, Henderson. In fairness, I think he can drift in and out of games. To be honest, um, and uh, he's not the best scrummager in the world, apparently. Um, and I just think Klein is 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 there. Klein will get better. I mean, you have to remember it's only his third test, mm-hmm. so you know, like whatever he's he's done up till now, um, you just have to imagine he's going to get better and better when he gets comfortable with that with that um, environment. So um, listen, we know what Joe says. Klein brings tight head scrummager, physicality, um, and an enforcer type player. So I suppose that's what he brings more than Henderson. But Henderson, Henderson is obviously still top class and you know, could give us great impact off the bench and also can cover six if you're, if you're stuck.
0: Mm. Yeah, it feels like this World Cup, there's going to be, I guess, rotation is maybe the word to use where it's not just about a first choice 15. and I think that might be the case in the back row as well. Like if Kinds in the team, then James Ryan has a little bit more energy coming out of a scrum because he's not a tight head lock. But then he has the responsibility of, of calling the line out. So you got to weigh up those things instead of Henderson doing that. Um, and then the back row, you got to weigh up what you're playing against, how mobile they're going to be. Does Josh van der Fleer's um, strength in that area make him the the must pick? Or does Peter O'Mani's line-out skills make him a, an essential part of it? Conan and Stander bringing that ball-carrying work rate and and real punch in the, in the tackle as well. There's nice elements to each player that Josh Mick can kind of mix and match with, which is a, a real strength. The same applies in the centre as well with Ringrose and, and Chris Farrell even in the mix as well, offering something different. And he's a big, specimen and and could be important in, in some of those pool games. So it's nice that Joe Schmidt goes with options. There's guys missing, like Dan Levy is obviously the big one. He's not not in this squad, but he's still got a bit of depth and a, a couple of guys to to mix around with.
1: Yeah, you mentioned the midfield there. Remarkable um, upturn in form from Bundy who suddenly looks like a nailed on starter. Whereas three, four weeks ago when we were doing a depth chart, we would have had Henshaw on ring rolls pretty much bankers yeah um how impressive have you been by him over the last probably two three games even in the, i mean he even scored against england where as yeah. he said everyone else was anonymous
0: he looks absolutely shredded first of all he looks in serious nick um i'd say his body fat is is very low uh, and it's looking like he's even more explosive an athlete he he to me appears to be the key game breaker in the back line now you saw his incredible individual try and tweak him. i know england were obviously winding down at that stage of the game but it was a sensational score even in Cardiff he was making line breaks and busts and then again if you think of say Rob Kearney's try the opening try for Ireland the build up to that was a line break from Bundiaki where he uses footwork to get outside Patchell then links with Robbie Henshaw a, a really game breaking moment they're in behind Conor Murray then makes a, a beautiful pass Actually, Bundyaki offloads to, to Henshaw and then Conor Murray makes a beautiful pass to and away they go and then Wales are offside all of a sudden. And those are the moments you need where, yes, you have your phase play structure and your little mini plays, but to have someone who can and bust a line um, using their footwork and power is just such an advantage. So he definitely looks like he's going to be wearing that 12 shirt. Um, and as we mentioned, Robbie Henshaw's return was really sensational. He looked so sharp. Um, those little bits where you think they're going to be rusty or a little bit indecisive on the reeds. He had a few brilliant one early, brilliant ones earlier on. You even think of him tackling Hadley Parks as he steps back inside him at one stage where he's slightly exposed. It was a really, really good reaction from him. Uh, his first couple of carries were superb. He used his feet to to get inside Parks, actually, an offload to Aki. So that link worked both ways. And they actually mixed and matched well. You saw Henshaw kind of running at 12 on a couple of scrum plays where he used his passing to get to the width on the left. And then Aki at other times, um, both of them carrying very well as well. They have good footwork before they go into contact and they're powerful when they're in there as well. So there's a lot to like about it. I would say Gary Ringrose was excellent off the bench, albeit on the wing. His first kind of defensive action was that Reed gets out the back, tackles uh, Josh Adams low, bounces straight back to his feet and tackles Elliot D as Adams offloads two tackles in about three seconds. Um, and I know he had I think he was down for three missed tackles he did miss one on north where he gets fended off but the other two to me weren't missed tackles he was literally working hard in defence guys drifting with him and, and he almost has to let them go there's one on kick chase as well that you can't put it down to a, to a missed tackle so those stats are probably used against him but he looked really sharp to me and he's obviously going to fight very hard for that place and offers so much with his his footwork and face play he's probably not as powerful as the other two Um but he gets into good positions defensively uh, and adds so much again to that phase play by using his jinking footwork. It's a real dilemma. Right now, it does look like Aki Henshaw for that first game, though.
2: Speaking... Yeah. Sorry. No, no. Uh, yeah, it's amazing if he doesn't start because of how good he is, but mm. uh, that's what you want. You want other people to be form, And, you know, we think that Ireland, the best way to beat Scotland is to, be, is to pick your most physical team. Um, and that's probably why, you know, uh, Robbie, Robbie can play. Had a a Gary at thirteen with Bundy, and then you know Robbie can play twelve with Gary in in other games. You know I think that Joe will will mix it up uh, um, and and select select certain players for for certain games and certain game plans. But uh, it shows you you know it's a great place to be if you can leave Gary Ringrose out.
0: Yeah, and I'd say he's not liking the Joe Schmidt comments about his versatility <laughs> uh, covering out half, which is he definitely <laughs> didn't play there in school. I d- that's been Check confirmed. Out. Yeah, <laughs> He definitely there. But he, I think he did play a bit at fullback, but not too extensively. Um, and Joe Schmidt's kind of been maybe indicating with those comments that he's possibly the twenty-third man in a couple of those matchday squads. I'm not sure he'll enjoy that. Yeah, I think <laughs> he
2: doesn't. He won't mind if it's Russia and Samoa. It'll be you know if it, if it's Scotland, Japan, or South Africa, New Zealand, that'll be the hard one to take. You yeah. know, some people would have to double up, obviously. Uh, um, in the, in the other easier games, but uh, yeah, I'd say Gary is worried at the moment. What about that uh, number eight then? Have you, what have
1: you made of Jack Ona's performances the last couple of weeks versus CJ Stander, who he, I did impress? I think him Cullen though. was
2: good. Cullen was very good, um, and that's going to again be a really interesting selection selection meeting. You know, um, I certainly think that Van der Fleer w- was excellent as well, and he's suited to Scotland, the Scotland game, and potentially Japan as well. To be honest, um, from a defensive point of view. So, um, if you take it that he's He's in there as a, as a seven, as our most natural open side. Um, well, then the conundrum is Peter Mahoney, um, CJ at six, CJ at six, or whether CJ just was very was was much better because you know he's getting closer to where he needs to be in terms of match fitness, which we spoke about, and um, that he can easily transfer about that back to eight. You know, and the the old pecking order of. Of Peter at six, his first choice, and, and and CJ at eight, the first choice, still holds, and and Conan, you know, is is your impact player off the bench. Um, I like I like the mix. I like the mix of the back row weekend. To be honest, uh, I thought I thought that uh, they worked pretty well together, and you um, you do have, you know, probably well, CJ is probably a bigger, is a more dominant carrier than than Peter, and Conan's a more dominant carrier than Peter. Um, obviously you lose a little bit line-out wise particularly defensive line-out but uh, um, they, laid out, they, they took their chance and, and you know made a really good impression and um, they've done all they can now in terms of their last, their last game whether they're starting in Scotland
0: mm. like CJ Sander finished the game as captain of Ireland which you can't read everything into but he's an important player for them and he's part of the leadership team and while we're always always talking about him potentially slipping out of the team that's probably not foremost in Joe Schmidt's mind he's a key guy for him and has delivered for him on so many occasions I do agree that Jack Conan on first watch I wasn't quite sure but watching it back there's so many quietly influential moments around the run I saw
2: him doing a a kick escort yeah working unbelievably hard to get in front of George North and again that's something I wouldn't you know I, I wouldn't always associate him with that part of his game and I think that's probably the reason he hasn't got as many opportunities for Ireland um, is because he's brilliant obviously on either side of the ball but in those moments where he can maybe knock off a little bit um, he he, ha- he hasn't shown consistently that he's, he's top class at that or he's getting better at all the time it wasn't something that was natural to him um, but li- I, I thought his work rate was was very high and mm. um, accurate as well
0: Yeah my I, I feeling at the moment he'd probably go with that Omani standard Van der Fleer with Conan off the bench and then a reshuffle quite early in the second half potentially to add a bit more ballast um, it is a nice position to be in if you have Ty Byrne and Jack Conan to come off the bench as your two kind of back five replacing forwards there's a whole lot of game changing ability there then you've no Henderson to go along sorry then you've no Henderson yeah true I'd have him in my starting team I have to say <laughs> Yeah. Henderson. I think with, with James Ryan the yeah,
2: no, I, I would as well but I, I just I, I don't think I think for Scotland Klein is in pole position yeah
0: oh, yeah what about the... Because one thing you have to obviously... You mentioned the defensive line out there. How would you consider Scotland's defensive line in that sense? Because obviously if you have Conan Sander in the back row...
2: Yeah, I think what Joe what Joe and uh, Simon Easterby would be going absolutely nuts about is the gap. Oh. Um, so Wales... Like in fairness to Reynal, he actually pinged him. Twice, mm-hmm. I think, goes uh, yeah. So, and that's all you probably—that's the most you're going to get out of it, you know. Because most referees, they'll give a warning, and then they just hope that um, that it goes away, you know. <laughs> but uh, against Wales, against England, you see, they they got away with it, and obviously they knew Rory was under a bit of pressure, um, and decided to push that to the absolute limit. And, you could uh, see when Jones doing it as well. Like oh, when they, they all do it, <laughs> kind of. Yeah. Well, so Wynne. obviously Tom Francis got picked up at the front, but if you look at that second line of Alan Jones catches. Um, I mean, Rory has to kind of trot down Alwyn Jones's channel because by the time, the time the ball's in the air, they've moved right across yeah. the line out So that'll be something that, in fairness, it, it, it takes a referee who's um, pretty consistent to to nail that, you know. And that that, that for me, that'll be the biggest issue. Um, we, we'll be able to win ball against Scotland, even though their defensive line is quite good, um, as long as we get a bit of uh, fairness on on the gap. Mm. Um, and and the problem is when you show a little bit of weakness like that, or when you have a day like we did against England, if you're the you're the Welsh defence or line-up coach, uh, Danny Wilson or the forwards coach, you're going to say, look, let's just squeeze, squ- <laughs> squeeze, squeeze across and take a chance, give away a free kick because, you know, a free kick is less damaging than uh, I'd rather have two two balls against the head uh, from a defensive line of point of view uh, than one free kick in the right area of the field. You yeah. know, it's not three points, it's not a penalty opportunity. Like what are they going to do? They're going qu- quick tap or they're going to put up a Gary on, you know? Um, so it's worth flirting with, with the with the laws there to a certain extent. But I, I'm sure Josh Schmidt will be going absolutely crazy mm. about how much they got got away with it, even though they got pinged twice.
0: Yeah, that's a good thing that's happened now, and people saw it and referees saw it. Yes. And just wait for Joe Schmidt to mention in the media a couple of times yeah. about the gap. Definitely, yeah. because you're so right. People yeah. saw what, what happened in to and they go, let's go after these. Letters. Yeah.
2: Well, the second, see the second one, the one that when Jones took. Um, it's actually on a halfway line so the line is is a really good view so they kind of start on the halfway line but uh. he
1: apologises as well afterwards you could hear him <laughs> saying to uh, the teammates uh, that, that was my fault sorry you know,
0: yeah. the rev, the interaction with the referee was outstanding in this game as well you have to say even Dan Bigger where he says yeah, it looks like he's being really honest yeah. and saying I didn't ground it but he wants that 5 meter scrum because I think Ireland were trying to That's say right he brought it over and we touched it down so yeah. maybe it wasn't being that sound yeah.
2: <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't be like it. him wouldn't be like him to be uh, <laughs> very sound during the game um, <laughs> but, he's competitive uh, he's a real competitive it's good I, I, heard, uh, I heard Rory Best um, of Matthew Rinell at half time as they're walking off the field just on the ref mic he called Rory Best aside and said uh, Listen, Rory, it's a it's a very special day for you in the Viva. It's your last game. Wouldn't it be a lot more special if you let me referee the game and you, and you kept your mouth <laughs> shut or whatever? Which I thought was, uh, you know, we, Nigel Owens gets a lot of credit for the for the quips, but it wasn't bad for a Frenchman. That's pretty good.
0: Yeah, it's some poor defence for the park try though. He should have got under the ball. <laughs> yeah. Could have done better with that. Yeah. And he put himself in a dangerous position for a man who's broken his leg before. Mm. It's crazy, yeah. Uh,
1: where do we think Wales are then? I mean, they, as you mentioned at the start, they didn't seem to be hugely invested in the game. And we probably said last week that their own fitness levels and their own preparation is essentially done and they, they are where they want to be. Was it just a game to kind of get out of the way and get on the plane
2: to Japan for them? Yeah, for I it? think so. They had their, um, I was with a few of them on Friday, um, and uh, they had their kind of going away party on Wednesday or Thursday last week so they closed the roof in the millennium and brought in tables onto the pitch wives our partners sorry wives wives, girlfriends and parents and got on a few you know a few Welsh uh, bands and had a bit of a a going away party and when you have that it's kind of then you got to go play a match two or three days later. It, it, you know, consciously, subconsciously, maybe you can seep in a little bit. I think they're very happy with where they're at. Obviously, you know, they're getting criticised in Wales for having lost three out of four, and you know, um, all this money that's gone into preparing the team with you know trips to Turkey and blah blah blah. Um, but I think their you know their main body of work was the, the the Six Nations. I think if you have a very good Six Nations, you don't need to guess. Everything right in 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 your warm up games and uh, um, you know they played Georgia first up. There, was the of the performance obviously to be gutted about. But I think they they're pretty happy where they're at to be honest. And uh, got through the game no injuries. Um, Barr Patchell, um, which is obviously in the back of Anscombe, so that's that's obviously a bit of worry for them. But uh, I think Wales at the World Cup will be you know, genuine contenders to be honest because with their defence. Um, you know, like it's gonna be so hard to break them down realistically when they're fully wired and tuned up. So, um, and they are very fit and they are very powerful. Um, you know, and even the fact that they kept Ireland out, you know, for that last block of seven or eight minutes when we're under line. I mean, the modern game that's really hard to do is actually not concede a try. And I know we got over a couple of times and we held up and reset. But I thought they showed there that, you know. Um, there's still lots of pride and, uh, and attitude about them because they could have easily conceded another one there just one missed tackle or, or one soaking or an rover so um, I think they'll be they'll be fine mm-hmm. Are
1: they lacking that little bit of uh, creative spark maybe without particularly if Patchell is
2: out and yeah, I think having think I know answer. we're talking about our great defence and stuff but uh, it is the area of the game that maybe they need to bring something to it uh, like they had a lot of possession for the first 20 minutes between you know their 10 and our 10 kind of went wide wide a few times um, but Ireland were pretty comfortable the only real time we looked stretched was that time Robbie jumped out of line and, and made a big hit so um, yeah, I think the, but then you bring, bring Ken Owens into the team um, you know uh, bring Liam Williams in at fullback. back mm. uh, they've got better you know they've got better ball carry and, 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 and a better strike uh, strike runner from behind so they'll be yeah they're maybe not the most creative team in the world but they don't need to score that many points generally to win
0: Mm. The Mm. funny thing was that Gats was having to go with Joe Schmidt's attack again after the match. Was he, yeah? Uh, Talking about them playing off nine, off nine, off nine, and then Bundiaki carries. Uh, He can never really resist having a little jab because he knows it'll annoy Joe. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So there's work for them there to do. It was an interesting weekend across the board, really, in in kind of World Rugby. There was lots of other stuff going on. The most worrying one, I I thought, was New Zealand absolutely hammering Tonga. Mm. Because you just fear for... Listen, we know there's eight probably maybe nine quality teams going to the World Cup, but you really wonder about the rest of the, the competition. Russia just got beaten by Connacht, so they've lost all their warm-up games, hammered by Italy, beaten by Jersey Reds, beaten by Connacht, and they look really, really poor. They Obviously qualified by... They weren't yeah, supposed to be in this tournament, obviously, but it is worrying. They're going to get hammered in a couple of games. Tonga looked really <clears throat> just lack of structure, lack of fitness. The All-backs were decent, but they scored way too easily on some of those tries.
2: I'm surprised the Russia are so poor, but given... Like, we understand with Samoa and Tonga, they've no professional league, you know, uh, in, uh, internally, but there actually is a professional league in, in Russia. So there is money going into the game there. Obviously, the the geography of the co- and the scale of the country makes it hard, but, like, they, they're not playing, like, a, a country who has, you know, eight or nine full-time players. Um, Player, our squads. You know, what I mean, the realistically, I know there's a lot of players playing Moldovans and um, Romanians and, and Georgians in there who aren't obviously eligible for for Russia. But uh, you know, you'd like to think that they should be better than they are. And um, you know, if they have a really bad World Cup, it's going to affect their chances of mm. qualifying for the, for the next one. Just the the, um, the aftermath of that. So I, I think there's going to be some horrible beatings. You know,
0: yeah. Um, I guess more pertinently for Ireland, Samoa were. Uh, they were decent against Australia they looked okay actually and they'll they'll definitely smash a few Irish men (laughs) in the carry and tackle Um, and Japan obviously had their first kind of tier one test for a long time against South Africa I know you were watching that Bernard I wonder what you made them because they looked really impressive in that Pacific Nations Cup this was the first test against
2: top tier nation Yeah I think they were outclassed but they certainly Will have got stuff out of the game, like they were, they were, there were some areas of the game where they actually challenged, challenged the box, and I think it's a great fixture for them to get. Like they've had, they've had a, you know, a, a relatively easy um, campaign in terms of the, or the Pacific nations because you know they've they've been having a, a lot of success. I mean, know Tonga, etc., aren't fully, uh, fully tuned up or aren't in a great place at the moment. But for them to play a tier one country like South Africa, now have that learning from that and then obviously they've got to get ready for, for Scotland and um, and Ireland so I, I still think that I think Jamie Joseph is experienced enough not to panic and um, they'll, they'll learn a lot from that and come on for it
0: mm. The Scots finish up with a, a win over Georgia um, they'd mix up their team quite a bit and I guess the biggest blow for them was Jamie Ritchie you're always going to get hurt against the Georgians but he got a facial injury so he hasn't actually flown over Magnus Bradbury's flying over they're still hoping he might come out but he's a guy who probably would have been in the starting team yeah. even against Ireland that's a the blow for them they haven't been particularly impressive just yet Scotland just kind of um, glimpses of what they're capable of um, but we kind of know their their established stre- uh, strengths are going to be the same and Finn Russell will be running that show and Ireland just will hope to, to bully them really um, so yeah it's been interesting to watch how everyone's kind of built and you never know quite how much to take out of it, as you mentioned at the, at the top of the show, Ireland, back on form now or were they disastrous a couple of weekends ago? Um, so now we're into the, the real business end.
1: So which way are you leaning at the moment then? The answer could invariably change week on week as the tournament progresses but two weeks before kickoff, less. Are you still an England man, Murray?
0: <laughs> yeah, I still think England are in my mind the the favourites, I think with their power and they have so much else to the game. Like Owen Farrell just a brilliant player. I think he's a world-class out half a world-class inside centre and he's their best inside centre so when Ford comes on and they play with that passing game it's just really beautiful to watch they have such a finishing power out wide Elliot Daly Henry Slade different guys with different kicking options throughout the back line depending on who plays there's lots to like there with Ireland I'm, I'm kind of leaning towards that more optimistic side I think what we really where we are now is we're back in the same place we were kind on of at the twenty end of 2018 Ireland going to be com- really competitive do they have those extra little strings to to maybe cut teams apart when they get into that phase play in the middle third of the pitch? There was some nice build-up play at times from Ireland, but then they got, you know, think of the, the end of the first half. I know Johnny Sexton had been smashed by Jake Ball, and he was on the ground for a lot of it. They were kind of battering away, lost shape, and then they try and run a loop play and got choke tackled up. And that was maybe the, the worrying image of, of the day. They're going to have to push that on. It looks like they've added a little bit of variety to their kicking game, which is encouraging, and they're definitely you would hope that they've held some stuff back and, and have a little um more creativity to come there but that's probably the question mark over them I do think they're going to be really competitive and I think they'll top that group
2: Yeah I, I thought Ireland's attack actually looked a lot better I thought the quality pass was good Um, a few times we went for that little intricate ball at the back and just the timing was a little bit off But uh, and even in the incidents you talked about the the last play of the game of the first half the last play of the first half um, I thought it was interesting as you said Sexton was on the ground we got lost a little bit, but then Sexton still sensed there was an opportunity, and and you know he got the the of them together to play that loop play. And if he had actually played a short ball, like John John Davies made a good read, yeah. you know what I mean. But uh, if we were a little bit more accurate around that, and that'll come with timing. Um, both options, both options can't be uh, can't be shut down. So he jumped uh, for for Johnny, but if that ball had been just played a short ball, and I think it was to Robbie, you know we'd a line break there. So once the once the 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 building blocks are there, it's just a case of of shot shot selection and and timing. And I thought we saw more in that game than we had up to then. So I'd be hopeful that our attack can um, can cut teams apart. To be honest, in that middle third, which you know hasn't been a strength for us, but we can definitely get back to it. But before we wrap, uh, where do we stack up then,
1: based on what you've seen of Ireland, particularly in that last game versus our prospective quarterfinal opponents? If you we were to get that far. Like you probably favour New Zealand or, or South Africa over Ireland just on paper at the moment, but where are the areas in which Ireland could be <laughs> better than those two teams?
2: I think I'd, I'd actually prefer to play, to play New Zealand in the quarterfinal. Mm. I think the Farrell from the Lions experience, from, you know, from the beating them in the Viva, from Chicago, I don't think there's a mental block with, with Ireland and the All Blacks anymore. Um, I think that's important, you know, historically. Ireland probably lost a match against the All Blacks before they played them um, the, and I, I, I think that we might just struggle with South Africa's power you know and that's we saw much we saw some uh, glimpses on, on Saturday which are reassuring that you know we're back to the you know we didn't struggle in 2018 with power in actual fact we were we were um, even though we maybe in gym scores etc weren't physically as uh, as strong as the teams as we beat um, between Body, uh, body position uh, between leg drive, between um, you know arriving in force at the breakdown, etc. We were able to get over the game and win quick balls. So, um, but I do still think that the athletes here for us at the moment has to be proven um, is that we can beat an England or or South Africa, you know, who are the two most powerful teams in the world, and be able to handle that. So until then, you know, I'd rather play a team like New Zealand who are full of, you know, better footballers. Um, and are still incredibly difficult to beat but um, that's where I think we may come undone is, is if we come up a team who we just can't match physically
0: Yeah I'd definitely go along with that I think Ireland would almost fancy the All Blacks a little bit more uh, like Ireland aren't going to overpower the Springboks if they come up against yeah. them they just can't physically do it um, so you'd hope that those elements we were talking about have come together in a strategic way to be able to to break down a team as powerful them. the line speed is just so oppressive Razzie, Felix Jones Jack Nienaber they know Irish be inside out so they feel they have a real sense of what Ireland are going to bring at them and it's just whether you can outthink that or make that work against South Africa lure them in and I guess there's no better man for that than Joe Schmidt it, it'll be decided by one of those moments that he um, is so good at coming up with so that's a strength and yeah I don't think they're going to blast their way over the spring box but you would hope they they outthink them if they get there
1: Thank you very much Jens.
0: Thank appreciate you. it
1: we you will <laughs> <laughs> stop showing off now uh, <laughs> safe flight Murray cheers <laughs> and uh, we will speak to you from over there we've got a lot of extra podcasts coming up Rugby Weekly Extra the aptly named uh, new podcast so we'll be tuning in for your, uh, to you Murray from uh, Japan and your exploits over there looking yeah. forward to it can't wait okay until next week or are we back on Thursday <laughs> no next week I've decided
0: <laughs> Until then Take it easy I don't think we've met before But I'm the referee on this field If you're working as an accountant And you lose your job Nobody really notices
2: Leinster could have me Five mil a year I wouldn't go <laughs> it is
1: Robbie Robbie Weekly the first pass <laughs>